Hello and welcome to Minute 21 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Tom. And I'm Rob. And joining us today from American Graffiti, one song at a time, is Tierney. How you doing today, Tierney? Hey, I'm doing good. I like your uh, digging uh, little pun there. Good job <laughs> picking that up. <laughs> Well, come on. We have, we have to find something to be unique about here. There you go. We first want to say that we're, we're ecstatic that we're actually able to get you on such a special day. You know, we, we, we actually got you on your birthday to come in. So. I know. It, you'd think I'd be too busy, you know, partying it up. But no, I'm here to talk about movies you, from 1963, obviously. Well, you, you came to party up with us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, I can do some trivia I learned while researching this movie of uh, the 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 Great Escape started on Steve McQueen's birthday. That is yes. right. So so there we go. It's all coming around. Obviously, <laughs> birthdays are very important with this film. Correct. Yours and and Steve McQueen's, which we're going to talk <laughs> about him a lot this week. So that that works out well. Yeah. Uh, it would it would be even greater. It would be even more amazing if his birthday was also August second. It is. It is not. It's but Peter March. O'Toole's. Peter O'Toole's was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, uh, but Peter O'Toole's not in this movie, so that doesn't. You know. I always. That's like the most Leo thing ever. Of I was a little kid. I'm like, oh yeah, Peter O'Toole and I totally have the same birthday. We'd be best friends. <laughs> I think I had a same birthday. I think my birthday was the same as Ed Asner's or something like that. You know. <laughs> Good times, good times. Uh, I have um, no idea which celebrities share my birthday because I've never looked into it. Well, you have a whole week to find out. <laughs> we'll expect a report. You have a whole year to find out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, we are going to talk a lot about Steve McQueen, I hope, this week. Said no, that, that's the, the plan. He's here. He's very front and center. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually the first week where we have an entire week filled with with Steve McQueen. So you you got that honor also. It's, it's your birthday present from us. <laughs> All the Steve McQueen. You get to you get to speak about Steve McQueen in baseball this week. So we 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 know who we're you know. <laughs> you know how to get me. <laughs> That's right. Well, I should probably actually get around to introducing the minute. So minute twenty one starts with Hilt's pulling wire cutters out of his pants and it ends with him saying i plan on doing both dot 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 so we'll get the conclusion of that thought tomorrow so i mean this whole minute is hilton von luger's interaction and we get a very interesting dynamic you know in the first 20 minutes here is we've spent some time with ramsey sitting in Von Luger's office and the conversation they were having, and then how Von Luger deals with Hiltz. Because it seems like Von Luger approaches both officers with relatively similar intentions, but then the way, you know, Hiltz and Ramsey's, just they both seem to take it sideways on them. I don't know if either of you thought about that. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, that, that's the way that, that we can compare and contrast the, the different interactions between the various characters who have all have different uh, ranks and different connections to the other characters. I mean, obviously, Von Luger and Ramsey, this was a commander to commander's uh, conversation. And here you have Hiltz 
which his conversation is more, okay, this is a high ranking officer, but not the highest ranking. He's, he's actually the highest ranking American. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's so funny because Von Luger definitely doesn't treat him like an equal, like he did Ramsey. And that's what really gets Hiltz's captain's bars in a twist. Right. The question is, is whether it, it pissed off uh, Hiltz more or pissed off Steve McQueen more. <laughs> that's the whole question here. I mean, as, as we, as, as everyone has heard, Steve McQueen wasn't the, the easiest person to get along with in, on most of his films. But in this film, because you're dealing with an ensemble cast with so many different actors here, you know, for him to try to get as much uh, screen time as possible. I mean, come on. This is, as, as we just said, this is the first time that a character is getting five minutes all to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. This, like Steve McQueen at his ultimate, like, I'm Mr. Cool. I'm hotshot pilot. I am crazy. Um, one thing I really loved is Steve McQueen has turned up on a couple of my podcasts, although not been on screen. Uh, I did a podcast on Close Encounters of the Third Kind called This Means Something. And we talked quite a bit about how who else was up for the role of Roy Neary that Richard Dreyfus eventually got. And why that ended up coming up so much is Richard Dreyfus basically decided he was going to play this role and spent a year convincing Steven Spielberg to give it to him, <laughs> including and- being like, Every time Steven Spielberg was like, oh, I'm thinking of, you know, Jack Nicholson or whoever for this role. I'd be like, no, you don't want him. He won't do a good job. He doesn't have the right aura or whatever. <laughs> but Steve McQueen was actually offered the role of Roy Neary and turned it down because he said it was too emotional for him. There's a couple points in that movie where Roy Neary cries and he's like, I can't do it. I can't cry on screen. And like, <laughs> but, but it's so funny because the way it was worded, it wasn't, I don't know where your swearing line is, but it didn't sound like he was being an owl about it. He was just like, I can't cry on screen. This is not the role for me. Like I saw a couple quotes by him where he basically was like, he himself was saying, he's like, I don't have a big range. I'm not that good an actor. Like I have one type that I'm happen to be very good at. And so I'm just going to keep playing that type. I am not going to like, give you the performance that you need for this character who cries and has emotional breakthroughs throughout a film. <laughs> so yeah, now, the, the was, fact was that your... like, we start with him here, just the ultimate, like, oh, I'm so cool in my leather jacket. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I've, I've tried to think now of what Steve McQueen movies, you know, have him doing any sort of dramatic Role and the I've, well, I've seen them all, and no, <laughs> the closest one I can think of is the Cincinnati Kid, but even that's not super dramatic. No, he had a, he had a few love stories that he was that, that he did a nice job in, but it wasn't that dramatic. I think it Love with a Proper Stranger would, is the one that comes to mind, Natalie Wood, but that was also early in his career. And, and honestly, uh, I'll give him credit for knowing that about himself, <laughs> like for recognizing, like. Hey, this is a great character. I would not be great in this role. <laughs> well, it's like you say. Okay, would you know? Would Bruce Willis be good in in a in a love story? Would Arnold Schwarzenegger be good in a love story? Would Sylvester Stallone be good in a love story? I mean, these these are these are action heroes. You know, they're someone once named McQueen one of the coolest actors around. You know, and that's what he did in most of his. Uh, 
films. He wanted to be the cool guy, you know, not the guy who's crying. <laughs> so, and whatever. I mean, obviously anyone who knows the whole story about what happened with the towering inferno, I mean, that already just says so much about his, his personality. The fact that, you know, he and Newman had to have the exact same words, the number of words in the film and, you know, on the posters, their names had to be at the same, uh, on the same line or staggered in a certain way. I mean, that's, uh, again, you, you, you said it, it's not necessarily that he's being, but he's just being an actor. <laughs> you know. And, and to be clear, there are definitely stories about Steve McQueen where he was being. So, yes. Yeah. No question about I just that. wanted to make it clear that because when you say like, oh, he said he couldn't take the role because the character cries on screen and he couldn't do that. It'd be bad for his image. That sounds very like, and it's like, no, he just really knew himself and like what he was exactly. doing with his career. <laughs> Completely. This is, this is also one of the most iconic scenes of the film besides the, the, the motorcycle in one. I mean, one of the biggest fans of this film is Quentin Tarantino, who, who unfortunately said no to coming on our show. Um, <laughs> I'll have yeah, a seriously. With him. Yeah. All right. You tell him. He he lives closer to me than you, but uh, yeah, because he, from what I understand, he's still living in Tel Aviv. So you know, just an hour away from me. A friend of mine actually saw him in a movie theater. Uh, obviously, pre-COVID. Just go knock uh, on his door with a microphone in your hand. Um, hey, uh, stranger things have happened, Tom. As you know. Oh, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> And if he blows a raspberry at you, like I hear, then you'll know. You'll have your answer. <laughs> That's very true. But uh, my point is, is as anyone who has seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood knows, he actually recreated this scene for his movie. Is it as good? I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> I liked I liked the fact that he recreated it because it's such an iconic scene. But I don't think that Leo is as good as does as well in the in this role as uh, McQueen. You know, like if if I were to say, if, you know, I'm 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 someone who is v- really against remakes. You know, and so I would say that if they were to remake this movie. No, I don't think Leo would be the person. <laughs> I know I know Quentin would think that Leo is the right person for that role. Why? What do, what do you think about that? Would you give that role to Leo? That's, I'm now trying to picture it, and it's hard because he's had so many different phases of his career. But you've seen him yeah. play this role. <laughs> That's the difference, I'm assuming. Yeah, Have you seen I, I haven't, but I, oh. I knew he was – so, like, I'm just trying to think who you would get to play – Helps in a remake. You guys can have a lot of fun with uh, recasting a remake. That is definitely something that I have done on multiple podcasts. <laughs> like, yeah, that, I, oh, I agree person. with you. That, that, like I this. agree with you that we that we could, but because I don't like remakes, <laughs> and this is a perfect movie in and of itself. So why would you want to ruin it by making a remake of it? Yeah. Um. One thing. I. All right. We'll say perfect movie. I have some questions about Hilt's background, as we're learning this week, because Hotshot Pilot, okay, Captain, yep, that fits. Engineer and Pilot. Okay, we're going to talk about that later in the week. You're getting a little, you're getting a little out of yourself here. Okay, because in this one, he we're not We're not going by songs here. <laughs> no. Well, we find out what kind of engineer later this week, but here he tells them when he's like a pilot, and then he's talking about, like, tunnel, you know how many escapes he's tried. And it's just like, this is, 
Like, tunneling and pilot is not a skill set that I usually think goes together. True. But, but again, everyone in this, this, this camp, they're all pilots. You know, so you, so they, they had to learn these skills behind the wire, I guess. Oh, that was very you know. <laughs> I mean, you're right. In, in this point, he asks, Van Luger asks him if he's an engineer. Mm. But later on, <laughs> we, we get more into what his real background is. Yeah. I, I like the fact that he's just like talking back to Von Luger. He doesn't have a problem with it. You know, he goes, 17 escape attempts. And he goes, no, 18. Yep. <laughs> well, that's what I grew up on that is very weird now uh, looking back and studying Steven Spielberg is I had that weird moment of I grew up on the humor of Nazis always being the bad guys. So Hogan's Heroes. Of course. Uh, more Mel Brooks movies than I could name. And it's just like, yeah, the bumbling bad guys. Then it's like, oh, right. They're not that This must have been awkward during filming in Germany in the 60s. <laughs> like, <Correct>. um, <laughs> there's there's that little bit of like, oh, dear. And then I I wonder. I don't know if I'm completely reading things into this, but the vibe that I got off Von Luger throughout this film. How do I want to phrase this? Is there some weird, again, I'm I'm using the word vibe, um, because I don't want to demean him by saying, is there some effeminate quality happening that bad guys in 60s movies had that was implying weirdness? Because um, I keep thinking of Lawrence of Arabia and, like, that weird, like, the the really bad guy is going to be very careful with his gloves. Like, just why? <laughs> what was that trope in Hollywood? <laughs> like, well, we've never thought about that before. Yeah. We've, in all the conversations we've had so far, we've never reached that point where we've, we've asked that question. So you, you do, you, you do get credit for, for, for being the first to ask the, <laughs> ask the question. Just, he's always got these heavies like around him, you know, we're going to see taking people to the cooler, but like there's exactly. just something very uh, precise about him that I, I feel like I have seen in this like quiet German accented bad guy trope before. Right. And, and you got to take into consideration also here that this is less than 20 years after the war. I mean, this isn't, this isn't Steven, Steven Spielberg who's 30, 40 years afterwards. Or, or Mel Brooks, thirty years later, yeah. making the jokes. So yeah, there, there's something to. I mean, have you have you ever seen uh, Stalag Seventeen? That's have, the movie. That's the yeah. movie that Hogan's Heroes was based was based on. Yeah, um, I've seen clips of it when people were talking about it, but I've never sat down and watched the movie. But yeah, it's it's so funny looking back because I was re- like Hogan's Heroes and F Troop were constantly in reruns, and it's just yeah. like. Yeah. Now in 2021, it's just like, oh, everything is so bad, but still hilarious because that's the jokes you grew up hearing. And exactly, Gilgan's Island. Yeah. Gilgan's Island. Yes, of course, the women are always like. That. <laughs> um. Yeah. It just. It's um. It's so funny because I hadn't watched this movie like actually watched it in so long, you know, you pass it on television and then just wherever it was, I guess you're watching the rest of it. Like there goes your afternoon. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> but yeah, 
It was so funny because, um, I, yeah, I sat down and watched it. And the same thing, my husband was like, oh, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I know The Great Escape, but I couldn't tell you the last time I saw the movie. And at the end, we were like, what genre was that? <laughs> like, Well, that's the whole thing. It's, 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 a, it's a war movie, but it's an action war movie. And it's, it's, it's a war movie where, where the Nazis are the bad guys, but they're not really the bad guys. Yeah. I mean, you know. it's... I mean, if I were to put it in a genre, I'd almost have to put it into just more of one of those epic genres where you would put uh, Lords of the Arabia, Ten Commandments, you know, just these, especially because once we hit the second half, it gets more into that, but just these sweeping, just masterpieces that have really held up. I guess that's not really a genre, but it doesn't, like you're saying, it doesn't really fit into action or even really prison break movie and- right but but one of the things here is is that they 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 lighten the tone of it because i mean the the tone if 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 you were really telling the story as it as it as it <laughs> happened you would it you know you wouldn't be able to 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 walk away with a smile on your face at the end of the movie they 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 find a way to keep things light and fun but still poignant the whole way through yeah I think it has a lot to do with the, with the way that they structured all the characters because they, they do such a great job with that, that, you know, by the end, you really care for all of these different characters who, who each, if, if you were to break down the minutes of each of the characters, you'd think that, okay, they don't, none of them have that many minutes in the movie besides McQueen, uh, <laughs> but you still, but, but, but when they're, you know, when they're planning the escape and they have the escape, you know, the whole time you're saying to yourself, wow, what's going to happen to this guy? And what's going to happen to that guy? And what's going to happen? You know, you they, they, they find a way to, to really pull you in to care about all of these different characters who who it's hard to say that any of them are really developed, um, but they're developed well enough. Mm. They're not developed on a, on, a, on a very deep level, but you, you feel as if you know these characters. Yeah. So one of the things I also wanted to say about this minute, which which I thought was great, was uh, Tom and I have discussed this a few weeks for a few weeks ago when we were in Ramsey's office, uh, when we were in Von Luger's office talking to Ramsey. And although Ramsey would love that, <laughs> uh, of course he would, of course he would. Um, the fact that there there are a whole bunch of pictures on on the on the wall, and uh, the pictures on the wall basically tell us that uh, Von Luger uh, seems to have been a pilot, uh, possibly during World War One. And whatever, and this is the scene where he actually states that he's a pilot because he basically, you know, his comment of that we're both grounded for the duration of the war, you know, that that sentence in and of itself says, okay, I'm a pilot also. I can I can feel for you. I can under I can empathize with what you're going through to some degree, even though I'm your captor. Uh, <laughs> and Hilt says, thanks, but speak, no thanks. And I've speak for yourself, <laughs> Colonel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He gets no respect. No respect. <laughs> That's right. So are we just um, going to glaze over the fact that Ives makes that ridiculous noise to the Von Luger? That, that's the raspberry. It's, a raspberry. That's, it's that's a raspberry. ridiculous. It's so over the top. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to give Ives something to do. You yeah. Know? His character doesn't have enough to do. Except for to, to let us see over the course of the film that uh, the toll that, that these escapes can try and take on someone. Mm. So let's go with the jockey. Mm. Yeah. He's the 
such a cutie. Now he's skipping ahead <laughs> in character it reveals. <laughs> reveals, reveals. We'll get to it later this week. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's uh, all right. We're so close. He's right exactly. there. <laughs> exactly. That's the problem with doing, doing doing a movie minute by minute is, is that there are things that, that are connected. What can you yeah. do? Yeah. You're probably more familiar with that than we are. <laughs> I... I find it best to accidentally let slip the end of the movie and discuss it in, like, the very first week. And then it's just like, yeah, all right. All holds are off now. <laughs> well, the assumption is is that someone who's going to spend their time listening to a minute-by-minute podcast is, has already seen He's the movie at least, at least once. <laughs> yeah. And again, um, if you, know. you haven't seen this movie and are watching it with us, let us know. We will figure out at some point to get you on this show. <laughs> that would be amazing because, yeah, I got really heavily invested in some of the characters. I was like screaming at my television during the breakout scene. <laughs> I yelled about white pants so many times, <laughs> which is on the cover of the DVD. So it can't be a spoiler. <laughs> but that's Steve McQueen. He has to stand out. Yep. Yep. Even when he's trying to escape in the night in the dark. Anyway, anyway, you'll get there. You'll get there. Right. Um, I also I also love the fact that this this scene establishes this minute establishes the fact that Hilt that Hiltz actually knows German. Yeah. Uh because there's a there's a few points where Van Luger, you know, talks to to Strelovich and he starts saying it in German and Hiltz responds. You know, so so they've established that okay, he's been in German camp long enough to have picked up some of the German and to pick up the fact that that someone says search you. You know, search him. <laughs> Actually, I guess that's one of the thing, first things that someone that a prisoner would pick up. <laughs> yeah, you know. I was gonna say, <laughs> I'm trying to remember any instances of uh, Hilt using his German later, and I don't think so. That's a separate issue. But, <laughs> yeah. but they've shown that he knows Steve McQueen knows enough German to know that they're telling him that they want to check him, yeah. that they want to you know strip search him. <laughs> I have so many questions, and we'll get there later this week. But like. The fact that they bring luggage to the POW camp just blows my mind. Like, uh, honestly, I know, like, the Red Cross is sending stuff, but to need a duffel bag <laughs> seems okay. kind of... Okay, Tierney, you don't know the half of it. You don't know the, some of the things that we've that we've already found while watching oh this God. movie. There's there's a guy carrying a, a guitar. There's a oh. guy carrying carrying a trombone. I think a few weeks ago we found someone who has that something that looks like an accordion. You know, they have a whole band coming in. Yeah, there we uh, go. Then there are some people who have nothing. Yeah. You know, there, there are characters that are just carrying around a jacket or just a canteen, you know. So, it, no, but but our biggest gripe the whole time, and we keep saying this, we've said this probably every week, is the fact is how the hell did, did most of these prisoners who are pilots, so they probably had to eject, how do most of them still have full uniforms, and their hats. <laughs> Good point. Forget about the bags. The bags yeah. can somewhat, I mean, Hiltz's bag actually has his, his name or perhaps his pseudonym on <laughs> stamped on it because we've established that maybe his name really isn't Hiltz. Ooh. You know, All we, right. It's, it's possible that he just found a bag that said uh, V. Hiltz on it and told it, decided to take on that uh, that persona. A real I mean, madman situation here. <laughs> no, I would I would actually compare it more to the Bridge on the River Kwai. Have you seen mm. that? Oh God, yes. When was the last time I watched that? It's been a while. Um, that was and saying it's been a while. This was a really fun. So uh, my 
son who you guys accidentally <laughs> met in the green room because he burst into where I'm recording. Um, he got to see the first five minutes of this movie. And then thank God he fell asleep before <laughs> anything happened. But you should have seen me racking my brain trying to remember how violent the great escape got and at what point. Because it was just one of those nights where he's like, I'm not going to bed. I'm staying up. And I'm like, I I have to start this movie now or I'm going to be up all night. And I'm like, pretty sure the beginning is going to be okay for him to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the opening credits and them arriving at the camp, he got – and then, like – by the time they're going into barracks, he was out. And I was like, oh, thank God, <laughs> especially at the end. Once, As with all movies, war movies, once people start dying, you start being like, he's asleep, right? He's not seeing this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. And, and Bridge on the River Kwai was one of the ones I was thinking about where I'm like, I know it gets a little gnarly, but I think it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that that uh, bridge on the river is it. Again, this movie also yeah. there, it, there's no graphic violence here. No, there's violence. Sixties you know, movies are really hard to judge. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. No, no question about that. And and the bridge on the river My point was is that that uh, you know the whole thing was Commander Shears wasn't really Commander Shears. He took mm-hmm. on someone else's uniform and persona in <laughs> order to get uh, thinking that he'll get treated better. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that Hilt did the same thing here. Or whatever his real name is. Boy. His real name is actually McQueen. <laughs> <laughs> so, my only last note is, who wins in the sass-off? Steve McQueen or Tom Cruise? Steve McQueen in this or Tom Cruise in Top Gun? Steve McQueen. <laughs> I thought of Top Gun when they said Hot Shot Pilot. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just... Maverick is trying way too hard when he sasses. Yeah. Why, what, do you, what do you think, Tom? Cool. <laughs> oh, no. I will take Steve McQueen over Tom Cruise any day. <laughs> so, in other words, in your remake of this movie, you won't put Tom Cruise in the uh, Virgil Holtz. Oh, God, uh, no. Persona. Oh, God, you know he'd want it, though. <laughs> of course. I mean, he's, he would. He, oh. he, I mean, is he tall enough to play Ives? Eh. To play Ives? Why That's ice? a hole. <laughs> you, I, I was asking if he was tall enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Depends on the camera angles. <laughs> Bigger Luke. <laughs> well, do you, do you have anything else for this minute? No, I think we've uh, done, we've 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 really done this one in. <laughs> we've really kicked off the week. <laughs> Well, it was for your birthday. You know. yeah. Happy birthday once again, Tierney. Happy <laughs> birthday. I expect I, I will be getting a present of wire cutters. and. <laughs> it, it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Cool. <laughs> you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Ah, well, yes. Uh, when I'm not pretending to be a captain, pilot, whatever, or commandant. Uh, no, I am... The easiest way to find me is to look up onesteelsister.com, O-N-E-S-T-E-E-L-E-S-I-S-T-E-R. That's also my Twitter handle and Instagram handle, but um, my website has links to all the podcast shows I've done. Uh, I've done several Movies by Minute shows. Um, And then currently, as I had you mention at the top, I'm doing one on American Graffiti. Last summer, we did A League of Their Own. Every summer, we tackle what we think is a good summer movie, like something that you're really in the mood for once it starts warming up here. So uh, 
yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're going to get to talk some baseball with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And while you're checking out all of Tierney's other podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to ours and give us a five-star rating in whatever podcatcher you use. If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can follow us on Twitter at GreatEscapeMXM, or you can visit our website, TheGreatEscapeMinute.com. We will talk to you all tomorrow. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.